I was just out in the hall and I was noticing all kinds of cards and gifts and goodies there at the pastor appreciation table, so we were very thankful. Uh, the Elkins love goodies. Um, it's that time of year where we get a double chin or I get one, and uh, so we're thankful for good treats and good food. As we begin this morning, I just wanted to, we're going to talk about, you know, Halloween and trick-or-treating, and when I was young, our parents took me and my older brother, Jonathan, trick-or-treating. I m- remember it vividly. Uh, we have a picture of one of our experiences. We were so happy with these costumes that we had, um, but we actually made our costumes. Aren't those great? Look how happy we are in this picture. I think that's like my Superman bedspread pillowcase made into a, an outfit, and then somebody just gave me a hat. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Now everybody buys brand new outfits every year and spends all kinds of money. We were thrifty back then, and we made them ourselves. Um, so we used to do this on a regular basis. I can remember it. I picture doing it in my mind. But then one year, my parents stopped taking us. Uh, they were taught that Halloween was Satan's holiday. And indeed, there's some evil surrounding Halloween and some of its history. But we believe this was an overcorrection in some of the church and how they've responded. But instead of going trick-or-treating, they would take us to the movies. Uh, They would take us to see a Christian-themed movie. We saw The Mission in the theater, and we saw um, Chariots of Fire. And we would still have candy. We'd stop at the gas station. We'd fill up a bag of candy, and we'd take it in. Obviously, my mom would hide it in her huge pocketbook uh, instead of buying theater-priced candy. Uh, We always thought that that was her training us to smuggle Bibles into communist countries, you know, teaching us some good uh, discipleship there. But one, at one time, you know, my parents became very strict about spiritual, the supernatural. I had actually collected He-Man figures when I was a kid. We had Grayskull, actually had the castle and all these things. But the, the sorcerer would call on, you know, there was a sorcerer calling on these powers and things like that. And my mom came to a place where it was like, no, none of that. And I had to sell all my He-Man stuff, you know. Now I got money and uh, was able to spend that on candy, so great stuff. Fast forward a few years to the late 80s, and I fell in love with Tim Burton films, movies like Beetlejuice and Batman in 1989. I mentioned that last week. Then Edward Scissorhands in 1990. But one of the lures was not only this kind of an eerie kind of a a direction in the movies, but the music by Danny Elfman. I can still hear the music. We have a lot of the songs memorized at the house. And in 1993, a movie came out that was created by Tim Burton called The Nightmare Before Christmas. Some of you guys recognize that. You know it. My kids know it. Uh, It was a groundbreaking movie with stop-motion animation. It was kind of a, a musical, but it was a dark fantasy holiday film. And it tells the story of this character, Jack Skeleton, there in the picture. He's the king of Halloween Town, who is depressed from always doing the same old thing every year. And he goes into this place in the woods, and it's a place where there's entry doors to all the other holiday places and worlds. And he stumbles upon Christmas World. And he goes in there, and he loves it so much that he ends up taking all of their people of Halloween Town saying they want to do Christmas and take over. It creates confusion and chaos, and it is a mess. But in that, I remember that Christmas was always awesome in our family regardless. And then all of a sudden, um, Halloween had a place of prominence. It was more popular in culture. You'll meet more people that say Halloween is their favorite holiday of the year. When I was young, if you went to a home improvement store, they didn't sell Halloween stuff. Like, you can go to Home Depot, and it's like all this stuff that you can buy and put in in your front yard. It used to be that people decorated for Christmas only. 
And now they're venturing into Halloween and these decorations, purple lights, you know, and that kind of cool and orange uh, decorations throughout the town. You can actually see it here. Now, some of the stuff is really cool. This guy who does the skeletons down the road uh, that, with their wrestling, that's pretty cool. Some of the stuff is like, ah, scary, <laughs> you know. Um, but this kind of Halloween has kind of been raised into prominence more than it was. Now, financially speaking, uh, more money obviously uh, is spent there in Christmas season, $130 billion, I believe, or more. Halloween is only about $6 billion, uh, so they're not even close in that area. But there's differences. Christmas speaks to light, the coming of Jesus Christ, life into the world. Isaiah says this in 9-2, Those who were walking in darkness have seen a great light. We recite this every year as we're celebrating the advent of Christ because the light of God has come into a dark world. When it comes to Halloween, it deals more with darkness and death. Of course, the season changes. The falling on the leaves, the darkness has come. More a long period of darkness in the season of winter. But many don't know, even as we celebrate Halloween, its origins. I mean, I didn't know later in life what the origin was until I looked into it. Um, but there used to be many questions about Halloween. In the church, people used to ask, should we celebrate it? Should we embrace it? Should we resist it? Is it evil? What do we do? But we don't see a lot of that anymore. We're actually just seeing that people just do it without question or concern or the reason why. Um, and I'm not, the message today is not about opposing Halloween. The message today is actually information on how can we uh, engage it better. But we still want to know the history of it. Where did it come from and why do we even celebrate these things in our culture? So as a family, we love the festivities. I love watching movies that have festivities. Like I love, if you watch the story of Ichabod Crane, there's this where they're all coming together and they're celebrating. I love those scenes in A Christmas Carol where he goes home to visit and he's fizzywig his old boss are having a celebration for Christmas. I love those scenes in movies. So we love the festivities. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with dressing up, engaging the imaginative. Those things are good. But there's also some serious things we want to deal with as well. I think we need to know our boundaries in what we deal with. It's kind of like movies. I tell people, you need a boundary with movies or you'll watch anything. I mean, I, I do my best to set a boundary. If not, everything's open season for whatever you watch and view. Same thing for Halloween. We need to know our boundaries in this. So the Scriptures actually have strict teachings um, that speak to witchcraft, um, fortune tellers, mediums. Um, so there's a need to be very cautious in dealing with this element. Also, we must be aware of, that demons, unclean spirits, evil spirits, and that there is a deceptive demon, a fallen angel named Satan. He is deceptive. That is what they do. They are liars. Now, if you would, we're going to jump in to Luke chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, we'll also have it on the screen. But I'm, I'm sharing a portion of Scripture here where Jesus delivers a man possessed with multiple demons. The point is, Jesus Christ has authority over darkness. He has authority over the grave. This man is rescued from the grave. He is rescued from being possessed by legion, this legion of angels. He has power over that. Authority in darkness. The light has come. So Luke chapter 8, verses 26, I think I have 33 here. Then they sailed to the country of Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. 
When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. Now, I shared this in first service. I want to share it here, and I don't want to take too much of your time. But I want you to know that this demon, this man full of demons, knew that Jesus was coming. And he was ready to meet him at the shore. When I was reading this, I realized, and I want to share with you, that oftentimes demons know more about what's going on than even Christians who are not led by the Spirit. Satan comes to God, and God says, Whence comest thou? He says, From walking to and fro in the earth. He says, Have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, Well, you have a hedge around him. Satan already knew that God had a hedge around Job, so they are informed. So when Jesus stepped out, the man met him there, and for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a home, but he lived among the tombs. He lived in the graveyard, if you will. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Notice that demons know who Jesus really is. I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to to command them to depart into the abyss. When we spoke about hell, we talked about Hades, Gehenna, Tartarus, and also abyss. Abyssus, the Greek word for this place of torment and hell for demons. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man. He is restored, he is rescued, and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank in the lake, and they were drowned. You know, I was reading this, and I'm thinking about the economy. Oftentimes, when you have a Christian, they're doing good work, and economy improves. Sometimes, God is doing things that disrupt the economy. You could imagine these guys saying, I mean, they're upset because the pigs have been killed. They're not so happy that the man is delivered from these demons. But let's pray together this morning. Lord, pray that you bless your words as they go forward. We know that they do not return void. And Lord, I pray that we receive them on good ground in our heart, that you open our minds and our uh, our very soul and spiritual ears to hear what you would have to say to us, your church, your Christians, that we might live in the light that you have given us, that we shine brighter in this dark world, that we speak to life over death, Uh, Lord, that we point people to you in this time of darkness and in this world, in Jesus' name, amen. So I decided to venture back to chapter 8 here to deal with demons, and obviously demon possession, uh, but to show that Christ has authority over them. We've kind of gotten to a place in Christianity where we're afraid of everything. Oh no, the government's doing this. Oh no, this is happening. Oh no, these things. But we need to be in a place where we realize that we have the Spirit of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit, and we can take authority over demonic forces. In fact, that is our objective as we go out into the world as in mission to bring God's love and grace into any scenario, and it takes authority over these things. Um, But before we get into everything about demons and angels or Satan, I wanted to talk briefly about Halloween's history. And though we're used to the word Halloween, October 31st is historically known as All Hallows' Eve. (laughs) It sounds spooky. 
But it was actually a, a good thing. It was a Hallow's Eve. Halloween is a mixture of old Celtic pagan rituals and the early Catholic Church around the 5th and 800 A.D. that they merged these things. It's rooted in the ancient Celtic Feast of Samhain. It looks like um, Samhain there, but it's Samhain is the way it's pronounced. The Druids, the leaders in these, col- these Celtic cultures, um, they would, this was the time, Samhain was the time where the veil between the present world and the world beyond was pierced. And, and releasing demons and witches and hobgoblins in mass to harass the living. Now, there's people that believe those type things, and in fact, we understand that demon possession is real, that demons are released. They are in the world. And there was uh, much superstition associated with this time of change, including the belief in fairies and that the spirits of the dead wandered looking for bodies to inhabit. And since the living didn't want to be possessed by these spirits, they began to dress up and disguise themselves. We call them costumes today. They were disguising themselves then as witches or devils or ghouls to attempt to ward off the evil spirits. So they dressed like ghouls to deceive the ghouls who wanted to come and take advantage of them. But as you know, that real demonic spirits know what's going on. You can throw on a mask all you want, and the spirit can still come and oppress you. These people also would carve repulsive-looking faces on turnips and gourds and illuminate them with candles uh, to ward off these spirits. Now, today, when the Irish came to the U.S., they began to use pumpkins, and they would light up the pumpkins, and so we have history of that there. The main thing is that the early church was doing something good in how they responded to Halloween because on October 31st, the eve prior to the Catholic celebration of All Saints Day, they would designate this day as a spiritual edifying. It was actually a holy day, All Hallows Eve, before the Day of the Saints. And they were teaching to pray to saints. We don't pray to saints, but we recognize their faithfulness. This was a good time to talk about the saints that had gone before us and preached the gospel into the darkness. But the main thing is to see that they took it over. The church took something that was evil and turned it into something good, much like we do with Christmas. Solstice, winter solstice was a celebration of uh, other gods. Well, Christians took it and made it about the birth of Christ. The, the tree that we make, a Christmas tree, they're awesome, they're great, we light them up, we put gifts under them. They represented fertility of uh, other gods. It was a pagan thing that they worshipped. We do it to say we're giving gifts because the gospel is about giving. We celebrate Christ because Christ has come into the world, that though Christ did not arrive during Christmas. But I think today, even though we have this history of Halloween, and the church taking it to make it a thing of light, in our present culture in the 21st century, we have, the li- we have blurred the lines between what is Christian and what is pagan. We've kind of embraced all of this, and we're actually celebrating Halloween rather than celebrating the light that infiltrates Halloween. And that way, we, we almost are in a, engaging in worship just like the culture. Many have accepted Halloween without considering its history and evils. Celtic people, uh, they killed people. There was human sacrifice. I mean, these are things that happened in history. So when Christianity comes, it begins to preach the life of Christ in, this, in, in the world. We are to be a shining light in darkness. 
In fact, we actually give out little glow sticks and stuff for Fall Fest, and, and Jessica has purchased some little glow things to give the kids because we are to be in the light even though we do it in the darkness. But there is a reverting kind of taking place in our culture because there's some appealing things that happen. There's something that kind of gets our attention, and I want to talk about that a little more. So let's look at demonology and sanctinology here. That just means the study of demons, the study of Satan. Years ago, when I was young and studying in college, I had a theology book, and I opened it up, and we had to get to this chapter, and it said, Satanology. And I was like, huh? You study Satan? But yes, we need to study Satan and know his devices. He is deceptive. He is the liar. Paul calls it out here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, so that we may not or would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs or devices or schematics is actually the Greek word. He has a plan to take you down. We are to be aware of who he is and what he does. Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning. He is a deceiver. He led Adam and Eve into temptation to break the commands of God. And they make, this is the objective of Satan and demons, to make something that is good, bad, and to take things that are bad and make them seem good. That is his job. That's what he's been doing since the beginning. Satan is very deceptive. He deceives people into, this is our culture. We have made killing babies, which they were doing human sacrifices in the past, uh, we've made killing babies evil into something good, a human right. We're actually giving up human rights for one for the rights of another, and they take the life. That is what Satan does. He deceives people. Our culture and even Christians within the church say, well, it's a right. You're basically telling me that killing babies is a right. We've been deceived. This is what's happening in our culture. As much as I've liked Halloween, I, this is kind of our thing. We have spooky movies that we watch. There's some things that we like. Um, this song, we sing songs and have fun with these things. I love the Sleepy Hollow story. I mean, we watch this. It is, it is funny to watch Ichabod Crane scared to death running from the, the Headless Horseman and all these things, this folklore in our history. But I don't watch, like, um, slasher films. Like, life is important to me. The older I get, it's even hard for me to watch war movies. Even though there's, there's courage and heroism, there's so much death, and so it's hard to watch. But we don't watch that type of stuff and just slasher horror films. I don't like supernatural films that deal with uh, demons possessing people or a home. Like, there's always a house somewhere that has some demons hanging out in for some reason. And, uh, but people watch these, and they're scared to death of demons. The New Testament does not teach anybody to be scared of demonic forces. We have the power of God to take authority over these things. There was a young girl that was in our youth group years ago, and she had gone to visit a family member from North Carolina to Virginia, and they were watching one of these movies, a paran- paranormal movie series, and it was so scary that she called her dad to come pick her up in the middle of the night. All the movie did was train someone who's supposed to be a Christian to be afraid of demonic forces. We're to be aware of them. We're to be observant of what's going on, but we are to take authority over those things. In fact, I wish sometimes my grandma could come and speak. I mean, she's old. She's in her 90s. She can't fly out here and speak, but she has a lot of wisdom to share. Like, we are seeking everything that the culture gives for healing. And the last person we go to is God for our healing. And we, she takes authority over sickness. She's the one that got me to start anointing. Derek, you need to anoint your children. 
We have one of our kids that was um, said that they were seeing witches at night. And your kids, you know, they have bad dreams and things like that. And you investigate, something's under the bed, close the door. Uh, Emma makes us close the closet at night because it distracts her, is what she says. So we close those things. But one of my kids, when they were really young, said they kept seeing a witch. I was like, huh? And I was trying to figure out what they were seeing. It's, and they were serious about it. It is in there. So I went in, in, in that room and we took authority in the name of Jesus Christ and cast out any demonic forces that may be deceiving my child. And we anointed her in the name of Jesus. Grandma Elkins doesn't mess around like that. She'll take authority over uh, sickness, demons. And one time, this is, this is serious. This is not some made-up folklore. A tornado was coming through Fayetteville, North Carolina, shaking the trees. And my grandmother, she went outside and rebuked the storm. That sounds charismatic and crazy, right? I'm not recommending doing this. I'm just telling you what Grandma Elkins did and the faith that she had. She rebuked the storm. We came and visited later, and we saw all the trees down. And we're talking about these big North Carolina oak trees, like I can't put my arm around them. They're fell, they're, they fell down, the roots are up all around the house, but the house was not touched. So that storm was coming through in a tornado, and Grandma Elkins says, I rebuke this storm in the name of Jesus. We are to take authority over demonic forces, but these movies are training us to be afraid. They train people to not take authority over demonic forces. Jesus sent out the 72 disciples. There was 12 and there were 72 that he sent out. Luke chapter 10 talks about this. I have it here on the screen. The 72 returned with joy saying this, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That means Christ is in us. We've been sent by Him to preach the gospel, to deliver people. Now, you're not seeing a lot of people demon-possessed anymore because light has come. There's more light than there was before. But you are seeing people demonically oppressed. We're dealing with depression. We're seeing that demonic forces are moving in people's lives. They need you to pray over them. They need you to get involved and start praying and teaching them about Jesus because Jesus has authority over the realm and kingdom of darkness. But again, demons and demon possession are very real. Now raise your hand if you know what The Walking Dead is or Robert Kirkman, the creator for The Walking Dead. A lot of people have watched it. Very popular in our culture. Well, as that series was coming to an end, he began to create another story. He's a comic writer, graphic novels, all these things. And later he came up with another story idea called Outcast, and it deals with demon possession. And I, I was interested in this comic, so I ran to go pick it up. I wanted to read and see what it was about, and he actually says this in the comic. This is a guy, he's not necessarily a believer in Christ, he just recognizes what's going on in the world. He says, as much as I love The Walking Dead, zombies are not real. Now, I'm sorry to let you guys down that bought zombie ammo and all these apocalypse kits. There's, no, there's not going to be a zombie apocalypse. He says this, the writer who's made millions off of this, zombies are not real and never will be. The scariest things are real. Ever seen Jaws or The Exorcist? Yes, even the last one, very real, very scary. There is evidence that supports the possibility that demonic possession is very much real. There are a lot of first-hand accounts out there that paint a very strange and terrifying picture. This guy's just writing stories for money, and he says that and recognizes that. My zombie story is not real, but there's, everybody knows a story or has heard of demonic possession. Now here's the deal. There's something alluring about the unseen world. 
and the potential to acquire power from Satan or natural forces. It appeals to people because they don't want the true power of God. They're trying to find another way to have power. We have people even in Christianity playing with tarot cards or going to palm readers. You know, the funniest thing in the world is you drive down these old towns and you see these palm reader shacks. Is what they, they're dumps. You think they'd have some kind of fortune telling where they brought in more money, but they barely make it paycheck to paycheck, telling people how to get fortune for themselves, the future tellers. So tarot, you have people in tarot cards now. A Ouija boards is sold in the toy section at Target. Horoscope, there's Christians that do horoscope. I've watched it on Facebook. There's people I minister to, and it pops up in their feed. Oh, my horoscope for the day is this. And I was like, why are you doing that? Where do they get the information from? The stars. They speak to us. I don't know what they think they're getting information from. It's not real. It used to be in the newspaper. People turned in the newspaper to get their fortune. It's about smart as your, your little cookie when you go get some Chinese food and you open that up. May meet a friend today. Yay. Well, that's wise and I'm happy about those things. But it's just not divine wisdom of God. It is of the world. Now, I want you to know the Bible is very strict about these things. Then the Old Testament, they're coming into the promised land. These are people that worship foreign gods. They, they um, sacrifice children. They worship uh, Baals and all these other things. They worship nature. They worship the gods of fertility. And they're bringing in the gospel and the good news of God. Exodus chapter 22, verse 18, it says, There you shall not prevent, uh, permit a sorceress to live. They were to stop these evil things. And it's not just because, well, they, it was just for monetary gain. There was evil stuff that happened around this. You're talking about orgies and worship and killing kids. They wanted to stop this evil stuff taking place in the land. Deuteronomy chapter 18. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughters as an offering. Now, why would God say that? Because this was taking place in the land. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes, interprets omens, or sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium. Remember the show in the 90s, Medium? I mean, people watch this stuff, Charm, Charmed, the TV show. People watch this stuff because they're interested in it. You're not to have anything to do with necromancers or those who inquire of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. They were to be driven out. This is what's happening in the New Testament. They begin to preach the gospel. Demons are being cast out. People are being healed. People are being raised to life. And actually in the book of Acts chapter 19, Paul comes preaching the good news of Jesus in Ephesus. There's people, they're casting out demons. People are being healed by these strange miracles. The cloth of Paul. He, he wipes his brow after working and building tents, throws it to the ground, and people are grabbing these things and being healed. It is a rebuke to the city because their people used to dress in perfect white and cleanliness to go to temple. And God is showing even the most dirty things of the gospel cleanse and restore and heal, and, and, and people are saved. And here in Acts 19... A number of those who have practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and they found it came to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Somebody has estimated that to be over a million dollars today. Now, they didn't have this book burning because the Nazis were making them do it or churches or any of that thing. It's that people were convicted to get rid of this stuff. 
Like I've had friends when I've preached messages, there was movies they shouldn't be watching. They said, Derek, I want you to know that I took and I threw that movie away. I didn't tell them to do that. They were led by God to do it because it was something luring them away from the gospel. These people realized that demonic forces and that using magic arts were evil, and now they're restored and they believe in Jesus Christ. The issue with our culture is that we have had light. We have light, but it's reverting to, to darkness. Other countries that came out of this darkness, witchcraft, um, summoning demons and these things, They've seen how bad it is, and now they've come to the light, and they don't want to go back. We had light first, and people reverting and kind of going back to darkness. These people have seen it firsthand in other countries, South America and Africa and places like that. Years ago, there was a missionary in Africa. He had brought the gospel to a village, and people are saved, even the, the, the village witch doctor and all kinds of... So this stuff begins to stop the worshiping Jesus Christ. The missionary wants to take one of their devices that they use to summon demons to take it back and show people. The witch doctor told him, you don't want to do that. We use that. That is real. We use that to summon the demons. The missionary said, no, I just want to go back and show people to talk about it. He has to hike out of the village, and one of the nights, he's staying through the night, he hears something at night shaking. And he woke up and looked over, and that rattle, that gourd that was used to summon the demons was moving on its own. So he took it and threw it in the fire and destroyed it. Because there's something behind these things. We can say it's silly, it's not real, but there's demonic forces empowering these things. Demons deceive people. You have to ask, why would they ever have been interested in that? And it takes people who stand up against it, and then people rally together. So the false idols, they were dead, they didn't speak, they didn't have power, but demons were involved. The final thing I want to talk to you about, church, today is Halloween's opportunity. So you see the darkness and the origin of Halloween. You see demons are involved in some of the dark things in the world. And today, Halloween is predominantly pagan, but there is still silver lining. Now again, I'm not telling you don't dress up with your kids and have a good time. Then The reason we have a fall fest and a trunk or treat was to offset what's taking place in the culture. To, to offer a safe place for kids to come instead of going door to door to people they didn't know. They could come to the church and get some goodies out of the trunk, which we're going to have this Wednesday. So be here for that. If you're not going to be here, donate some candy because kids like lots of candy this time of year. So the silver lining is this. Those from our Christian heritage, um, they, they intercepted these pagan rituals and made them about Jesus Christ. And it came to a place where they celebrated All Hallows' Eve by focusing on the heroes of the faith, All Saints' Day. So we teach our kids about the saints who have gone before us. So wouldn't it be cool around Halloween if, you know, you're getting ready, you're buying candle, and you're going to do all these fun things, but you told your kids, there's actually these saints that preach the gospel in these cultures. It was real. What if you open the Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and this is a resurrection chapter and it talks about Jesus and you read it to your kids and you talked about Jesus being raised from the dead, overcoming the grave and the good news coming into that. What if you began to teach your kids Christian literature like the Chronicles of Narnia versus all this other stuff they read today? Something Christian, something with light in the culture. One Christian said it this way, because in the end the trick is to treat Halloween as a strategic opportunity rather than seeing it as a time of satanic oppression or also something, let's just do it without even knowing. So we share the gospel. That is what we're here for. Back to the demon-possessed man in Luke chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. The man 
from whom the demons had gone, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This means that this man is delivered. He has been delivered of all these demons. He's worshiping Jesus. He wants to go with Jesus. And of course, the first thing that we, we experience is we want more of Jesus. We want that relationship. But Jesus has a mission for us. He sends the young man back to go and preach the good news in the town. Go tell people what has happened. Go tell people the good news that you've been delivered from demons. Now you have Jesus in your life. You have the good news to share. When demons and darkness are cast out, light comes. That is the message of the gospel. That is what we want to demonstrate. Instead of fully embracing Halloween, why don't we talk about it with our coworkers and family members? We're celebrating Halloween. We're doing these things, these festivities, but there's something I want to talk to you about. All this death, all this darkness, Christ has come to overtake death. He has overturned it. He rose from the grave. He delivered this guy. This is a spooky story. This guy lives in, with the tombs in the graveyard. God delivers him, and now he can go into the towns. So it's okay to dress up, have fun. We embrace the imaginative. I like that. Uh, wrong fantasy should be put to the side. Um, but how much better if we show that Christ has defeated darkness and sin, that he has come to give you life and life more abundantly. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we love you today and we thank you for a time just to celebrate what you have done in our life. We've come to worship you. You turn graves into gardens. In the Old Testament, the word was prophesied over those bones. They began to rattle and life was restored. You can restore families. You can restore hearts. You're in the business of changing lives, and I pray that we live in the power of the resurrection. As Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Lord, I pray that you bless your people as they go forward. Let us be a people of life. Let us be a people of love. Let us be a people of light in this dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, go in grace and peace. You are dismissed. God bless you.